Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and I'm super excited. Today we're going to be talking about Alice Cooper, and I have two very special people joining me. From Sit and Spin with Joe, he got a job in Atlanta at a mall playing Santa, not because of any talent, but because he was the only one the suit would fit. Joe Royland. Joe, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks. Uh, glad to be here to talk about Alice Cooper. Nice. And from I Cobras see what you did there. <laughs> and from Cobras and Fire, uh, the other half, uh, I had Baco on earlier this year. LC, he's a model citizen and a really sweetie guy. How you doing, man? Excellent. <laughs> I love the intros. Some, yeah, some deep, yeah deep, great. Deep, deep cut lyric intros. Yeah, black, black out your lyric intros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, as I said up top, we're going to be talking about the coop. Uh, one of my favorite artists ever. Like he, his music means so much to me. I've been a big fan since I was in junior high, um, and I discovered his music. And I've just—he's always been like a big part of my musical background. And I've wanted to do something for years, and I decided to dip my toe in with some deep cuts today. And I'm just super pumped to talk to both of you because I—I know both of you are big fans. Joe, we actually both dressed up as Alice on a yep. Pods and Saws <laughs> live feed live stream for uh, <laughs> halloween we were both dressed as alice and then lc i've heard you say some stuff on cobras and fire where i'm like the only way he knows that is if, he, if he's a really big fan so i should probably ask him so cool yeah i, I figured it'd be good to have you on too yeah appreciate it yeah the the um first like i would say episode 30 we did a whole discography like right in the beginning i had to do I had to do it too to get it out of my system to cover them so I, one of my I, top, top nice. five i've been going back and listening to those actually uh in preparation for this i was revisiting those they're pretty good they hold up oh thank you yep good stuff so let's get right into it i want to do uh personal histories to get things started um elsie tell me how how you discovered alice cooper and how you became such a big fan so I think it was hearing just a couple songs on the, on the radio, like 18, and oddly enough, they played Billion Dollar Babies. I don't really hear that too much on, on regular radio, but um, from Lafayette, Indiana, 93.5, they would play that. And, you know, that song, when they would play, it, like, this is some pretty unique kind of weird stuff, the lyrics and babies' heads coming off and, and their hands and, and things like that. So then I, I think I bought the greatest hits. And then, and then was was kind of like amazed the fact that as as of nineteen seventy four, he had a greatest hit. So before you know, I was getting into Kiss and everything like that. Before these bands even really started, he'd already racked up five albums in you know two and a half years or whatever it was, and loved all those tracks. Then Trash came out, and I was like, okay, this is something different, but it's of the time, and that kind of got me into really kind of digging into his his past catalog. Um, and then just kind of going from there and then, um, we can get in, I won't make, take it too long, but that's, that's kind of the zone of, of discovery. And then, and, but at the time, uh, and this will, cause, cause you're, you're a young man, you won't remember this, but there, when, when all the information wasn't at your fingertips at, at and, and, and I, I remember getting into a more and realizing the two references that you just made of the blackout period. There was no, I didn't even know those albums existed from like Lace and Whiskey to Dada. That entire run of albums, I had to like wow. get his get his imports on CD that I'm sure were bootleg from someplace in Europe. Um, but I, and I had been into him for like five or five or six years at that point. So that was when it really just exploded 
of how of the depth and, and, and variety of, of his career and one of the more, more most fascinating artists out there to me. That's correct. That's awesome, man. I love that you also like you went to such de- great lengths to get those because I know those are not easy albums to find in general. Like I- I've been lucky in finding some of those just in the wild, like at Amoeba Records here in uh, California. But yeah, I still haven't found a Zipper Catches Skin CD. I only got that one on vinyl. So good on you. Yep. Nice. Uh, Joe, tell us where you began. Well, what's great about it is not only are we all in different time zones, but we're also all in different age brackets slightly. Uh, we were just talking briefly about this before the show, but I came into Alice as a, a kid, a, a young kid in like the mid 70s. And uh, just, you know, something about, I mean, I was a Kiss fan. So Alice just caught my eye. And, just, you know, one of the first records that I ever remember buying with my own money at like a rummage sale someplace was alice cooper's love it's death on vinyl mm-hmm. still have that copy it's beat to hell uh but that pretty much began my lifelong fandom of alice cooper i remember my mom could never understand what i saw in that terrible little man uh <laughs> you know but i i pretty much regularly was buying his albums from then at that time i was getting a lot you know being a kid not having a lot of money i was getting stuff in the cutout bins or like I said, yard sales, wherever I could find things, uh, you know, uh, so I would get the early Alice Cooper albums and then even the records that were coming out at the time. Like I bought Lace and Whiskey when it came out. I bought all the Blackout albums when they came out. I think the first time I actually got to see him live was on the, um, oh gosh, my brain is going to go on me, uh, Special Forces Tour. and. So, you know, Apocalypse Alice era. And I've seen him, I don't know how many, t- you know, I don't, I don't know how many times now, like I, I was, I mentioned this to you briefly before the show, but back around 2010, I entered a radio station contest for the local radio station. And basically it, the show was, was going to be Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie were coming to town. And there's two sister stations. There's WBLM in the area of Portland, Maine's local classic rock station. WCYY is the local alternative station. They basically gave away kind of the same prize, but for for BLM, the rock station, it was lifetime tickets to see Alice Cooper. For CYY, it was lifetime tickets to see Rob Zombie. So I actually won. So I have this like laminated, special laminated pass I got, and it's like my dime to get to see him wherever he's playing. But all I have to do is basically have an information contact. I call him. I'm like, I want to see him at this place on this day. And they put me on the guest list. Really? So, yeah. I am so jealous of this, by the and, way. This is one of the coolest things I've ever heard of. And it's it's cool. Like, you, I don't, you can't see it because the lighting is terrible here. But, you know, um, it's cool. But if, in all the time I've had this, and like I said, I think I, I got this in like 2010, 2011. I probably only had a chance to use it about five times. Cause he just doesn't play around here that often anymore. So it was like, where's, where's here? Uh, here's Portland, Maine, or just, I live in okay. corn, which is in okay. the suburbs of Portland. But even like the, the, the second time or, or the first time I officially got to use this, cause I, I was at the show that I wanted at. Um, so I guess it would be the second time was in New Hampshire. So a state away. And that was the closest he'd been in like two or three years to coming here. And he used to play here all the time. And then it was like I had to wait years again for him to either play again in New Hampshire or to play someplace else here. There was uh, the last time I saw him was in 2019. He played here. Um, It was the last show I saw before the pandemic, but one of the last shows I saw. And 
Aside from that, there was, I think, one other time he played here, and even then it was in a city called Bangor, which is about two hours north from where I live. And I couldn't go because it was the like right the week before my son could be born at like any minute that week. Right. So there was no way I was going to be two hours away and get a phone call like, hey, you're in labor. You know, just not going to happen. So <laughs> I had to miss that show. Yikes. That's a, that's still incredible. I, I can't believe that like that was a prize. And, like, Lifetime pass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's I remember asking him, so how long is this good for? Because I've met him, I, I don't know, a dozen times over the years in various circumstances. Because I used to work at a music store. Uh, I wrote for a local publication. I did some work with radio and just all the stuff over the years. So I've had dozens of opportunities to meet him. He is the nicest, coolest guy. He's the, the exact opposite of the Alice Cooper persona that he puts out there. Uh, and, you know, we, we um, I forgot what I was going to say now. But um... it was about like uh, how good, how long is this pass good for? Oh yeah, so I was questioning. So, so how is this good for? He said, "Well, basically, there's probably I think there's like ten people in the country who have the same thing. There's just like a handful of people who won the same prize." And he said, "Well, it's good either till you die or I die." So, <laughs> you know, there so you go. one one or the other. I'm like, okay, great. And um, but yeah, he's if you ever if ever get the chance to meet him, he's just super cool, super nice. He's super funny. Um, when I was working at a music store and stuff, he would come in often. He has, uh, if you didn't know this, he has a penchant for like really bad Kung Fu movies and just strange yeah. stuff and stuff. So whenever I, you know, after I won this, whenever I see him, I would bring him like a stack of like cheesy, low budget <laughs> Kung Fu movies and stuff. And his assistant, Kyler, would be like, great, we're going to download these and convert them to digital and put them in the Coupomatic 3000 on the bus. So they could all watch them. It's just hilarious. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, like so. You get you guys ha had those two eras. My era is kind of interesting. Uh, it's like as you kind of mentioned, Elsie. I'm younger. I'm the younger of the two of you. I got into him. I was in junior high, um, and I saw the movie Wayne's World. I think that's required viewing for any young rock fan. I got to see that movie, and Alice is in the first movie doing Feed My Frankenstein, and I knew who Kiss were, and I'd heard the name Alice Cooper, but I hadn't heard any of his music, so getting to see him in that movie, I was like, oh, he looks kind of like a little more dangerous than Kiss, like like so he felt more menacing, and then you get to the scene where he's backstage with Wayne and Garth, and he's, you know, he's not afraid to, you know, be the butt of a joke and be a little less serious, so I was intrigued, so I talked to my dad, who was basically my music dealer at that point i was i was like do you have any alice cooper and he gave me cassettes of constrictor and the greatest hits collection and i started with those and i just fell in love with them i thought they were so cool like i thought constrictor was kind of heavy silly lyrics but really heavy and fun i love man behind the mask and trick bag and the world needs guts and then hearing the really old stuff was cool too i thought they were incredible songs and then he gave me his vhs of alice cooper trashes the world and that was oh, what show. that was what sealed the deal. Like I wa I would watch that over and over again, like like to the point where where like my mom would say, "You're watching it again." Like you've watched it like three or four times already. <laughs> so why are you watching this again? I'm like, it's so cool. And I was just enamored with the music and the image and the darkness. And it, I was like, he just seemed so bigger than life. And I was just immediately drawn in. And it was he was kind of the first artist where I was like, okay, I have to know everything about you i have to own all your music like i need to get the full catalog 
And that started with that Trash is the World VHS. And after that, I got, I remember that year, I also got to see him live for the first time. It was uh, 2008 on the Psychodrama Tour uh, in Bismarck, North Dakota. And it was incredible. Like I was about jumping out of my skin. The show was so good. Like, and I've just, I've just been a super fan ever since. I've never gotten tired of his music. I always come back to it. Every time there's a new release, I'm really excited about it. Um, even, you know, like this last one, Detroit Stories, which some people were kind of mixed on, I thought was was pretty good. It wasn't one of his best, but it was pretty mm. good. So I, I've, I've been a fan for quite a while. And I was also budding and aspiring singer at the time. And I wanted to front a rock band. So to see someone front a band with like that much confidence and swagger and also kind of menace, like I was really like intrigued. Like you can be this like monster character and, and like kind of play the villain, but you know, at the end of the show still, you know, it's not dark. It's kind of happy at the end of the show. So I was like fascinated by him. And I, I remember reading his autobiography. Like it was just all things Alice for a long time for me. So that's where I came in. Yeah. And if I just add a little bit more to that, the, uh, just like you said, the 2000, when you saw me 2008, that sealed the deal. I wish I had that pass that you won, uh, yeah. Joe, because he, anytime he was on tour, I, I lived right outside of Chicago, this area called in Northwest Indiana called Merrillville. And there's this place. That's where the... I lived in Merrillville. No way. Okay. Yeah. When I was uh, 11 years old, we lived in Indiana for a year. I lived in Merrillville. Yeah. Okay. Well, then <laughs> maybe when you, that age, you probably wouldn't have recognized, but there's this place called the Star Plaza. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, that was where all the, the bands of, of this ilk would come through. And he never, he was there like clockwork from like 97 onwards. I saw him every year. He would always play. It doesn't matter what tour it was. Like, and this wasn't during that weird time, but it was the rock and roll circus when he wasn't yeah. really having any, yeah. like he did that, like from 94 to like 2000, he didn't put out any music, which was odd for him. You know what I mean? Right. So that's when I, that's when I really became a fan was seeing these, these odd shows. I saw him at a horse track in some suburb of Illinois the next year. And, but but my point is, if I had that pass, I would have seen him. <laughs> no. It would save me a lot of money because he was always there once a year. So. Uh, yeah, and he used to be the same way here. He used to play here like every tour. He would stop yeah. here every tour. And, then, and you know, I'm like, oh, of course, now that I win this, you never play here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, fe it feels like that. Like I've been like, I really get into the minutiae of like Cooper Live. So I've been looking at like tour dates and stuff like that. And he plays Southern California pretty regularly. But it seems like I've moved since I've moved down to San Diego. He never plays down here. I have to go to LA to see him if I want to see him live. So I, I get exactly what you mean. But yeah, that's really cool. So yeah, and unlike know. unlike some of our other favorite bands, all is a different, all is a, a revolving set. He locks in the set for the tour, but it's all is slightly different. <clears throat> right. Perfect transition, Elsie. That was actually going to bring that up next. I want to talk about the live performances because. You're right. He is someone that actually will make a change to their show. Unlike other bands we've mentioned tonight, uh, he's not playing the same set over and over. He's not even got the same stage over and over. Like he'll he'll do an all nope. new show like every two three years. He'll completely yep. restructure it, and I love that about him. Like it also just makes for like interesting backstory. Like I love going back and learning about back. Like well, what was the Razor Fist tour like, or what was what did he, what were the theatrics on the Hey Stupid tour? You know, it makes for like fascinating like you know, backstory. So like, do you guys like have a favorite, like live era? Like, oh, you know, God. Like, favorite <laughs> They're like, all you know? great. <laughs> it, is, it is odd to pick because I mean, I saw them through albums that in retrospect are 
maybe not the best ones, but I mean, I saw them on Brutal Planet and Dragon Town. Oh. But 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 both yeah. of those both of those actual tours were pretty cool. Like the set lists. Mm. I mean, and the uh, did you see? Did he happen to be, come in your area for yes. those? Yeah. Okay. So like Dragon Town, even a year later, completely changed the you know backdrop, different themes, yeah. different. Um, man, I. Uh, I'll say that one that I really enjoyed, but was one of the least attended concerts I've ever been to, is the Bare Bones tour that he ah, did with, when he did yeah. uh, no no theatrics at all, and there was maybe two hundred people at that Star Plaza that I just just mentioned. Um, and even though there was no theatrics, it was still fucking great because of the fact that that he just brought up more deep cuts and and had fun with it, and the band was on fire. So I don't know. I mean. I'll, I'll mention just one other one too is, is that I thought was uh, just because it was unique because I did see him this year at the Monsters of Rock uh, cruise. Yeah. Um, and so I saw Alice on a boat and uh, <laughs> that was, that was a very unique show just because of that. And in fact, he actually addressed the crowd for once. He came out of character. Interesting. You know I mean? Wow. Cool. Yeah. I've seen him so many times over the years. It's hard to say because like I said, I saw him in the apocalypse out, you know, the blackout out mirror. I saw him on the trash tour. I saw him on his stupid tour. I saw him on constrictor tour, which was interesting because that was like the first time he'd been back doing shows for a while. I saw him on, um, what was the earliest you saw him again? Oh, that was the, the special earliest forces. One, special forces. I, I, the earliest was almost lace and whiskey, but my mom was oh. too young. My mother would not let me go to the show and she certainly was not going to bring me. You know, uh, so that that just wasn't going to happen. That was probably the year after we. And that was the year before we moved to Maryville, I believe it was when I when I was because we I I was an Air Force brat, and then after that, um, my step when my stepfather was a welder, so we moved everywhere. <laughs> um, but you know, um, I love the Brutal Planet tour. That was a really interesting stage set when he had that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and what's also great too is not just that the sage said sages up, the band changes over the years too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's constantly it different band members. Like, uh, just in the last 15, 20 years, I saw him where he had uh, Carrie Kelly and oh god, the guy from Five Finger Death Punch, oh, whose Jason name Hook. is Jason <laughs> Hook. Jason yes, Hook. Jason Hook. Saw him with them. I've seen him with Orianthe. I've seen him with Ryan Roxy. Uh, when Tommy Hendrickson joined the band, I've seen him with uh, when Nita was in the band. I've seen him when Kane Roberts was in the band. You know, like so all these different eras. So it's everything brings something new, something different to the table. And like probably the curtain lineup, he. Well, I, I'd love to see him with Kane Roberts in the new lineup yeah. he's got now. But this just the previous lineup he's had, say over the last five or six years where he's got Ryan Roxy and Tommy Hendrickson and uh, he had Nita Strauss was fantastic. And, and yep. Glenn Sobel on drums and the drummers have changed too. Like I've seen him with Eric Singer playing. I've seen him with Tommy Kleptopus playing. I've seen him, you, you know, all these different Jimmy DeGrasso, you know, all these different drummers he's had over the years and stuff too. So it's been interesting seeing different people backing him and just mm-hmm. the little changes they bring to the songs and the arrangements too. Now, did you see him during the uh, Operation Rock and Roll with Judas Priest in 91 or not? No. No. Uh, not not neither, here, at least. Yeah. Neither did anybody else, I think. Yeah. I'm if, just if saying, I, like, that, yeah. that tour, I guess, I guess failed. But... <laughs> But that, but that tour, like it was recently, uh, the fact that you shared that with me, I forgot that's when he brought the screen back. Where yeah. Go, yeah, for go to hell. Into the, yeah. 
into the movie and comes back like the nightmare thing. I thought that I think is a really cool effect cool. too, that I'm surprised more people don't steal or use as a, as, as a trick. I just think that's just very innovative. Well, you gotta, yeah, you gotta be really exact with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the first, like the time when I won that pass and I said he was playing with zombie, he opened for zombie. And so it was interesting because where he was the opener, he didn't have the full stage. It was almost like bare bones because they did, they did like, a fraction of theatrics they would normally do you know, like if you see him as a headliner it's a whole different thing like the, when i saw him in 2013 um marilyn manson was touring with him and manson was the opener so it was okay. a whole whole different ball game there like alice comes out and he's going to be like oh i'll show you how it's done you know? that's right yeah. So. Yeah. that's incredible I, I i will say i'm very jealous of both of you you've both seen tours that i would i, I would love to have a time machine for um, I do a lot of like, he's probably the person I spend the time, most time on YouTube, just watching old live stuff because it's so cool. Oh, it's all so these good. different. Yeah. And uh, I have I, so I, many bootleg concerts. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd love, I'd love to go back and see like a in the flesh tour, which is the raise your fist tour, because that was a really violent show. I'd love to see that one. I'd love to go back and see like a dragon town. Mm -hmm. Cause I said on that was really cool. Like he was doing, he was doing Trigger Man because it was the it was at the new album at the time, but he was also doing like Nurse Rosetta, and he was doing Guilty, so he was really like digging deep on those tours. Like I like I like you could probably just pick a dart and all of them would be great. Like he's probably like the artist. Like if I look at my DVD rack over there, the most live DVDs of anyone I own is it's Cooper stuff because it's all yeah. it, it's all something different and it's all like really interesting. So yeah. Uh, my, my live experiences i've seen him three times the first was in 2008 on that psychodrama tour which was fantastic uh I, that, that, like it was, it was so cool like i think i was like 13 or 14 at the time and it was just such a big deal for me to be seeing him live like i i discovered him at the beginning of the summer and my summer ended with me seeing him live so it was just like kind of like the, this perfect thing that happened then i didn't see him again until 2017 i saw the uh tour where he was co-headlining with deep purple and edgar winter was opening i saw him interesting at, at the greek theater um it was a bit of a shorter set for him but it was still a good show um it was funny uh, of the those two shows like there were two songs that carried over that i didn't think he, i'd hear him play again one was woman of mass distraction he played that at both shows and he played halo flies at both those shows so i've seen both those songs twice um and then most recently i saw him this year again at the greek but he it was just him headlining himself with ace fraley opening it and that was my favorite. That's my favorite of the three I've seen because it had just the theatrics amped up to 10 with the Nightmare Castle. Um, the set list, like I heard songs I never thought I'd hear live, like Bed of Nails, Roses on White Lace, Man Behind the Mask, Escape. Like he, he was playing all these songs. Like, wow. Like, like, like it was just incredible to me that he was pulling these deep cuts out. And I was just, and I was just like, so like taking it all in, like, holy shit, like this, this is like insane. So the, the most recent one means a lot to me just because it kind of felt like a little like it, it's weird to say, but oh, homage to my fan fandom because it wasn't just all the hits. It was like, like, let's pull out some 80s stuff. Let's pull out Escape, you know, from the 70s. Like it was just a really cool show. And it was the last U.S. show with Nita. So I can say I saw the last U.S. show with Nita Strauss. Nice. That's cool. And yep. another thing I'll just say on the, the, the live part is just that what other artists out there gives you so much in 85 minutes and 30 seconds and what i mean That's by that true. is that i don't think that any of his his shows ever go past 90 minutes but i never think i'm cheated you know right. what i mean a bands can play for two hours sometimes and you're like 
ah, oh, but they kept futzing around or they didn't, you know, they wasted so much time and you get the same amount of songs and the medleys come on, give it up for the medleys too, yes. that, that he does. Um, so that's all I can't, I can't think of another artist that, that really like has such a concise show throughout time with different band members, as Joe mentioned, um, and still, you know, just brings it. You, you nailed it. Like, like I love Judas Priest. I love Rob Halford, but I don't need five minutes of, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like call and response. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you could, you could be playing more music there. So That's right. you, you yeah. Know, good. Yeah. Point. He keeps it rolling. Nice. So another little point I wanted to hit on is um, much like people dress as kiss people dress as the coop. Um, I have done it myself. It's been my default, yes. <laughs> been my default Halloween costume for some time now. And Same. I wanted to ask have uh, Joe, I know you've done it. LC, have you oh, ever yeah. dressed up as Alice? No, I've done Kiss, but I've never done Alice. And do you do the Alice with the tear, or do you do the more like which which version do you do? I've done both. I've done both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. In high school, I did I did the Spider Eyes because I was really into Love It to Death at the time, and then most recently, I, I kind of returned to the uh, the classic one, the clown makeup. Okay. With the, yeah. With the lines. Yeah. I would kind of go by what he was doing at the time too, because back around the. Um, what was it? Uh, two, the early two thousands when he was back to like kind of like the garage rock era. He'd oh, gone yeah, back like to the, the Spider Eyes again, yeah. the Eyes of Alice Cooper. So I, it was kind of like, oh, he's going to go back to that. I'll do that too. Yeah. So. Yep. Nice. Uh, another thing I had is the character. Like we, like we, he, he talks about Alice in the third person. You know, Alice <laughs> is, you know, Vincent Fernier. You could look at it, is Alice Cooper. He get, he gets on stage and plays Alice Cooper. Um, it's this whole separate character, like in a way, like that, like he's created this monster that he can play, and I think that's really cool. I'm surprised it's not a thing, you know, more people in rock and roll, and roll do. Like they have this, like you know, separate character that's you know, like a clear delineation of who they are, who they are, you know, on stage versus off. And I've always thought that was really cool, like creating this monster that you can write music for and you can put them in different situations. It's really fascinating. Do you guys have any thoughts on like the character of Alice itself? My dog does. <laughs> the dog does. He does. Yeah. <laughs> um, right on uh, yeah. cue. <laughs> he, he, uh, like he always said that he always thought there were all these rock heroes. He wanted to be a rock villain, you know? And uh, I always thought that was pretty cool because even like say comic books, Sometimes it's not necessarily the heroes. It's like sometimes you like your favorite villain too. And I, I always thought that was a pretty cool route to go. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously like he, I, I thought it was interesting that he did make the separation almost. It was almost like a PR thing. Like, listen, parents, it's just an act. Let your kids come to the show. You know what I mean? Cause Marilyn never made the separation at first. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like yeah. different right. things. Like, like I'm more, I'm act, I actually am. Alice is just this. This is not a character. This is I'm more dangerous. So I th thought that was interesting to to do it that way, but also I I find it like just the the you know when he was completely alcoholic and doing that 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 he I, I find it I think it's odd that he hot hid until like basically five years ago the fact that he was doing crack cocaine like it's, <laughs> right, it's rock and, yeah. rock and roll like it was such a yeah. dirty secret that it came out in that documentary the fact that yeah I was. Doing crack with uh, a Bernie Toppin or, or whatever it was at the time when I was doing yep. from the inside, um, because that that part of it is is fascinating to me too. Because all he's done is he's taken his addiction and said, "I got to golf six times a week, or I'm going to get myself in trouble." I think is basically what he's done with that too. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm not addicted to these things, but I will, I have to get up at this certain time. We're going to do this. We're going to, uh, his personality is very, uh, I think uh, he is an addict at heart, I think, but he's made it a, but with a character and all this stuff, he's made it work. I agree. Yeah. It's probably been healthier for him because like, like you mentioned, Marilyn, Marilyn always said, you know, my life is my art and mm -hmm. my art is my life. So I, I wonder if that's kind of been his downfall in some in some ways, you know, like he was, he was trying to take the, take the monster on stage with him, but you know, I think it was a bit, yeah. And I think I was a little brave too. Cause, cause think about the separation of golf and fucking rock and roll <laughs> and stuff like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like that, but it was a, a, but I don't think it hurt him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the fact that he's got this religious, you know, part aspect to him too. Yeah. Uh, anyway, very interesting character. Very much so. And it, mm -hmm. it's funny. Alice is the reason I started playing golf in high school. <laughs> That's exactly nice. what yeah, I, I was like, okay, well, it's, it's got to be kind of rock and roll then. And there, there, is no, there is nothing rock and roll about golf, but I did learn to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So. Very cool. All right, I got one more point before we get into our deep cuts. Um, we just had a really cool release in the Alice Cooper world. Um, Joe, I know you have it. Uh, yeah, Cooper, just came at, today. Nice. Live <laughs> at the AstroTurf. Uh, reunion of the surviving members of the original band playing at this record store in Texas. Uh, very cool. I haven't got to watch the documentary that comes with the CD yet, but uh, I was curious if everybody's got a chance to listen to this yet. Yep. Thoughts? Yep. But yeah, I mean, my my uh, quick synopsis on that too is that I, I want to see the Blu-ray or DVD. Yeah. Uh, I need to see that just because I've actually known the story for like seven years from just knowing Joey Haney from the podcast exactly. world, um, and and knowing that whole background about the fact that he works at this. He's one of the biggest Alice Cooper fans out there too. The fact that his he works part time at this place called Good Records. And the whole backstory of how the, the owner connected and got the Alice Cooper band back together while he was on tour. It's just fascinating. The fact that it even happened and right. that, you know, all those, all those moving parts. Um, so I have not seen that. Have you, either of you seen the actual documentary? No, yeah, like I said, I, I, I've been waiting for this to show up. Mine had got shipped late because when I ordered it, uh, there was some kind of screw up and it went straight past asking me where I wanted it mailed to me and just went to curbside pickup. So I had to send Chris an email saying, hey, this thing happened. Um, how do you, you know, I, I, I'm going to need it mailed out to me. And he's like, oh, I'll just send you a, a invoice when we get closer to release date. and You can just pay for the shipping and I'll have it mailed out to you. But because of that, everybody else has got mailed out first. Mine got mailed out a couple days late. My mailman's been sick for the last three days. So today was the first day in three days we actually got mail delivery. And it was like this was supposed to show up Monday and it just came today. So I was kind of hoping to watch it before we did the show. But okay. I haven't even had a chance to watch it yet. So but yeah. like you, I have wanted to see this documentary for years. I mean, I've known about it. They've shown it like they've had it's been at film festivals. It's been at all this stuff. I'm like, when is this damn thing coming out on DVD or Blu-ray? Got to have it because I've had I've heard the audio. I've had the original vinyl release since it came out as a record store day release. So um, when this came up, I'm like, oh, I'm getting the CD because I want the Blu-ray. And uh, I didn't really need another version of the record. And the record, interestingly enough, only came with a DVD. There was no option for DVD or Blu-ray. I'm like, well, this way I can have the CD too. I can have it on Blu-ray. So that's the package I went with. Yeah, yeah. I've known the story, but I've ne I, I never had the vinyl. So just getting the CD and even just having to spend time with that, that was, that was fun. I'd never heard the audio. And it's just... 
it's just so cool to hear the original band play. Like I kind of took for granted how much they added to the sound because like I listened to it and there's little things that they do in those original songs that like other people haven't, you know, yep. carried on. You know, not to say that the the new band is is terrible or anything. You know, they're just different. Like, there's little intricacies of the personalities of the original members that bleed into these songs, and it's so cool to hear. Oh my god! Like, like the 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 band he has right now is incredible, but at the right. same time, they're almost too good because these guys are sloppy in a good way on these things. Like you hear under my wheels on this. That's how yeah. it's supposed to sound. You know, with the and uh, I don't know if. I can't believe that Bob Ezrin is involved in this release. I know, right? <laughs> he mixed it. It sounds phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so raw, but it's perfect. It's it's really it really is perfect. Uh, yeah, I just like I'll get to the Blu-ray eventually. I really watch it. I just need some time where it's just me in the house to watch it. But yeah, it. I, I'm very happy with the audio, and I love the banner between the songs. I think it's it's kind of cool to hear Alice cut loose and cracks of jokes too as well. So. Yeah, I really the, enjoy it. The only thing I thought was odd was because if you don't know the story, is did you notice that Cotton Dream is not Alice on? Yes. Um, okay, and that then, and then it, okay, because because then I guess what happens if you see the thing is that he comes out of the wall behind like some curtain for the second for the second song. So that's it was a surprise. People weren't supposed to know that Alice was even there. Right. But do you know who's on vocals though? I don't even know. It sounds pretty good. But Michael Bruce. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was one thing that kind of bummed me out. I mean, I get, I get the mm -hmm. reveal thing that's kind of cool, but Caught in a Dream is one of my favorite Alice Cooper songs, like, ever. So I, I, I kind of would have loved it if Alice would have sang it, but Michael does a good job. I agree. Yeah. Nice. All right, well, we're here today. We're going to talk about five of our favorite Alice deep cuts. Uh, this was actually really tough for me to uh, whittle this down because, like, I, the, my list has been changing daily for the last <laughs> couple days. Uh, Same. <laughs> yeah, like, there, there are certain songs, like, th th there were only two locked in in this whole thing. And then the other three have kind of been freeform until I ended up with what I have today. So uh, it, it's been an interesting experience putting this together. I'm assuming you guys kind of struggled as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, did anybody use a certain type of strategy? Like t t that you were using, like like I I I settled on kind of eras, -ish. yeah, I, one from each. But or go ahead. I tried to divide it up to from uh, original Alice Cooper group solo years, and I wanted to get in at least one song from like the last fifteen or twenty years. Yeah, so, okay. something more modern. I think mine originally had like more division like that but as it went by that kind of got thrown out the window i tried not to double up on songs from albums i only did that once uh in the list but for the most part i tried to cover cover all the like all the major eras um i don't think i quite look, look, let me look at my list real quick i don't think i quite got to uh yeah i didn't get anything super new in but i got a lot of stuff in my other criteria is i tried to like i, I use deep cut kind of my general thing for deep cut is song he doesn't play me. live that often, but I know that can also like deep cut can mean you know like a song that was a top forty hit. So I really went for stuff that I don't think you'd hear in your average Alice Cooper set list. So that was part of my strategy as well. Cool. All right. So to start first, um, I've got a question. It's going to be one of you, and whoever of you can answer this question correctly or at least guess close enough, uh, will will go first. So. <laughs> Uh, while Alice was recording Lace and Whiskey, Bob Ezrin was working on another album at the same time in the same studio 
with the same musicians. It was this artist's debut solo album, and it actually had a pretty big hit. He was leaving another big band. Could you guys tell me who the artist or the album is? Peter Gabriel, isn't it? Yes, very good. Peter Gabriel's wow. first album. Yeah. Well done. Nice. <laughs> All right, Joe, kick us off. What's what's your first of your top five deep cuts? Okay, I'm going to go back to, like I said, where it started for me, um, picking a song from the Love It to Death album, and it's the track Second Coming. I couldn't tell if the bells were getting louder The songs that ring I finally recognized I only know hell is getting harder Devil's getting smarter all the time And it would be nice to walk upon the water To talk again to angels on my side has always been one of my favorite songs on that album not again to me this is a deep cut because this is not one of the things you i don't know if i've ever heard him do it live i don't think he's probably hasn't played it live since the album really came out but i i just always love that tune uh i like the lyrics where it's he's basically like taking it from the point of view of like jesus or something like that but not super religious but just the the whole notion of uh what if Jesus came back again now or, or something and uh, what, what would the world look like to him? Sort of that kind of thing. But I just, I, I love that track. It's, it's always been a favorite of mine. Very cool. Yeah. I, I always love that, that, that the duality of that song and the song, before yeah. it, which is hallowed be thy name, which is kind of darker and talking about the evils of the world. And then you've got Alice kind of, you know, like you said, inhabiting the character of Jesus a little bit. And it's a very pretty song and it, I don't know. I love the way it kind of floats along. I love the way the piano bleeds into the next track. So good pick. Not not something I expected. Very cool. Yeah, that one, I I can never listen to. I have to listen to that and Ballad of Dwight Fry together for me. Yeah, because they um, go right into goes, each other. Which is surprising, like you said, that he just never played it live because it actually just flows perfectly. It's like it goes nice into evil from that, that song. So that's an awesome pick. That's deep, brother. <laughs> yep, very deep. Elsie, what you got first? Well, uh, this is uh, "Schools Out" is actually my least one of my least favorite albums. Just, just telling you right now, That's like right. it starts out strong yeah. and then it just kind of it has basically maybe six songs, instrumental, fucking whatever. It's like I can't think of an album that that has uh, from an artist. I can't think of one that has their biggest song with an album that I don't think stands up with the rest of his catalog, especially the first five. But I, anyway, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> yep. With that there. said, with that said, Schools Out comes out is his biggest song, you know, and it right as that song ends goes into what I think is one of his most evil songs. And I don't hear it get that much love. And I don't know why. And I don't I've never seen him play it live, but the first time I heard it I was like, "Holy shit, this is like an extension of Ballad of Dwight Fry." Uh uh I can't remember the lyric right now, like I'm swimming in blood like a rat 
on the sewer floor. You know, he's a, like, a, this guy's killed somebody. He's, he's, he's cutting his wrists and shit like that. I'm like, we just went from like a, be- <laughs> a big pop radio song. <laughs> it ends. You hear, you hear the bells and everything like that. The end of school's out and it goes into one of his darkest songs, I think. And that is Looney Tune off of school's out. choice man yeah yeah I, I love that one and, and like you said it really is a dark track to follow school schools out i always i remember the first time listening to my dad's cassette of schools out and kind of like you, you get that high from the first song that that mm-hmm. energetic high and then you get this like slow bait walking bass line you're like what's going on here but but it feels kind of menacing and then mm-hmm. you, you really listen to it you're like holy shit uh-huh yeah so and great pick I'm going to completely agree with you on that album. It took me years to get into that album and finally appreciate it for what it was. It did not hit me right away. Like you said, school's out great, but the rest of the tunes took a while to work into me. And there's, there's one other album in his catalog. that was the same before I went quite a while being like, man, I just, I can't get into this record. And then finally it just hit me and now I love it. So, but we'll probably talk about that. I'm sure Alex has at least one pick from that record. I can't get my stars though. <laughs> got to keep, got to give it up for my yeah. stars. Okay. For that. Yep. Too, but, uh, he played those, that those this ones. year, by the way, he played my stars when I saw him in uh, March. Wow. Yeah. I think I've seen him do that once. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, so. yeah, I've got, I've seen him do it once That's, at least. I'd love to see him do public animal number nine. That's my favorite song. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So my first pick, I'm going to take us back to love it to death again. Uh, the opening track from that album, um, I just remember hearing this for the first time, listening to the lyrics going, he gets me. Like, I was a teenager, I was an angsty, snotty teenager, and Caught in a Dream appeals oh, to classic. the angsty, snotty teenager in all of us, I think. <laughs> Yeah. 
love the guitar solos. I love Alice's confidence and swagger. I need a houseboat. I need a plane. I need a butler and a trip to Spain. I need everything the world owes me. I tell that to myself and I agree. Yep. <laughs> like that's so that's rock and roll, man. That's just so yep. cool. I, I love it. And it immediately hooks you in. In fact, I think one of my favorite Alice lyrics ever uh, that I like to repeat sometimes to people just to see what they say is when you see me with a smile on my face, then, you know, I'm a mental. Yes. Like like, Mm -hmm. that is just classic. I love this song. It it hasn't been played live since the brutal planet tour, unfortunately, but it's a great tune. No, if you're going to open up your great choice. Yeah. If you're going to open up your, your career with a song, that's if your first album. That's, that's a banger. And I don't count. Sorry. I don't care how big an Alice Cooper fan I am. I don't count those other two albums me for me. No. You Joe, is there some gold there? Maybe I should know about uh, for which one again? Say the last part. Again. But the easy action and whatever is before. Uh, this, there's a, a couple of tracks here and there that I don't mind, but yeah, those yeah. first two albums are uh, not my favorites. Um, gotcha. I'd say on the first album, oh god, now I can't remember the song. Um, it, it's interesting here, like on Easy Action. It's it's interesting to hear. Um, now, kind of not reflected. Reflected. Thank you. Sure. Um, and then see what that was going to become with Elected and stuff, or like Refrigerator Heaven, which was a, a song. A, the the title of that song comes back up again in cold Ethel. Um, cold cold Ethel and stuff. So yeah, it's interesting, okay. yeah, that you hear that. But like those are such different records from what they were gonna become that it's really different. Yeah. Really, really I different. I don't know. I just can't think of a band that, that went from those two albums to like nailing it out the gate. Yeah. Like right. but that, that evolution between those two and in nineteen, you know, love it to death. So Oh yeah, that is a hard growth from Easy Action to Love It to Death. Like, Love It to Death is like hitting reset on your career. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Nice. All right, Joe. Joe, what you got next? Um, my second one, maybe not so much of a deep cut, but it is to me. Um, Halo of Flies off the Killer album. This was like a James Bond song theme song for a movie that never existed. And basically that that was their goal when they were writing it. I just I love all the twists and turns. Uh, the first time I got to hear them do it live totally blew my mind because I was not expecting it at all. It was on the um, Along Came a Spider tour. 
Mm. And uh, it was just like they started into that, and I'm like freaking out because I'm like, oh my god, they're playing Halo of Flies, and the way they did it live, where like uh, they would have the drum part section comes up, and both Carrie Kelly and Jason Hook, they're on the side of the drum kit playing drums too. Chad Garrett's yeah. playing drums, and like everybody's playing drums on this little side of the stage. I'm like, mm-hmm. Insane, and it was so great, and and I never, you know, I. Uh, I just loved it, and they, they still play it occasionally. They don't play it all the time, but they still use that sort of same gimmick, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I love that track. You know, I was a big James Bond fan as a kid too, still am. But just just a great song. Nice, yeah. That that song for me is really is really special. Uh, he played it the first time I saw him, and I hadn't heard Killer yet, so I only knew the hits off Killer, so I didn't know what it was when it started. Hmm. But, I, but I'd already read the Golf Monster book where he talked about the song. So when it got to the part where he said, I will smash Halo of Flies, I was like, oh, that's the song. Oh, this is going to get really epic in a second. And sure enough, like you said, they come out and they do the drum solo and the band took it out and played for a bit. It, it was so, so, so cool. It was mind blowing. And then thankfully, like a few months later, a killer showed up in like the $5 bin at Walmart. And I was able to actually have the song to listen to. So yeah, great pick. Yeah. I almost picked that as well. Uh, and I've had the fortune of seeing that live, like probably four or five times over the, over the years, like randomly, every time it comes up, uh, it's like you said, it's a, it's a different band formation, but I'm always amazed how well they can pull off the intricacies of that, that song. And I'm not a long song guy. So an eight minute song for me, the fact that I, I want to listen to that and, and love every moment of it shows how good how good the song is, I think, as far as the, the the twists and turns it takes. So an absolute classic. That's true. You forget how long it is. Like, I, I even felt yeah. that way to day listening to Killer. Nice. All right, Elsie, what you got for us next? All right, I'm going to continue down the path of insanity with uh, <laughs> with another one that I think was the modernized version of Ballad of Dwight Fry, and and one of the things that that uh, I missed from when I first heard, like like I said, I came in around trash was where's this evil guy that I listened to on the uh, you know greatest hits and got into all that, and Hey Stupid, while it's not not my favorite one, has some great songs, and I would say mm. half of half of them, like solid. And the f- reason that I liked it too was he started delving into a little bit of that character, and that is the playout track on that album. Wind up toy.
where lyrics, epically, beautiful song, and the fact that the album closes and you hear, you think it's over, and like five seconds later, you hear, Steven! I mean, come yeah. on. Bringing that back to Welcome to My Nightmare, just, uh, uh, I think it takes the of the time sound and just, and just, just knocks it out of the park. Incredible pick. It's it's one I'm going to talk about later. Uh, I'll, so I won't say too much right now, but a hundred percent great pick. And also, did you really use those lyrics at the end in a school report of some kind? <laughs> okay. What did I did I mention at the show at some point? Yes, you did. You did. Okay. <laughs> and so which I, lyrics I, did you use exactly? I think I used a lot of uh, up stuff in that song. I think I I I was it was it was a it was a a, a, a report I had to do about where you saw yourself in the is fu- in the future. And I kind of like, I wrote it and it was, I was doing it all as a joke. And I kind of ended it with me being in an insane asylum. And I think I, I just put like, I have to go now it's bedtime <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it was the sign out like that, like, like the, uh, and I think I signed it Steven or, or something like, like that in there. But yeah, I got in trouble for that. I got in trouble for that. And oh, I, had, I think I got pulled in the office. Like, is there something wrong with you? <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> You're, you're, this is not this is not the career path you're supposed to take with a, with a counselor. I was never young. I was never just a little boy. <laughs> like all kinds of stuff. This, that, I see, I see, what is it? Stuff that's crawling underneath the bed. I don't know. The, yep. That it's genius. I don't even remember who the co-writer yep. was on that one. But uh, I don't think it was. I don't think it was Desmond. No. It wasn't Desmond on that one. But um, no. that's the thing too. Like Alice, all these things. Like he he goes in these eras, and a lot of times you you can shit on a band for adapting to the time. Most of the time, it worked for him. I think. For the most part, when you try to take take things of the time, yes, no. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no. He's he's a chameleon in the same way David Bowie is. He knew he knew how to find what fits and mold himself into it. Like like that's why yep. you know Bowie was the same way. Bowie was so successful. Bowie survived the eighties. Bowie survived the nineties. Like in the eighties, he became like you know like pop guy and, and you know clean cut image. And then in the nineties, he kind of became. Like I've been through a nuclear apocalypse and there's serial killers everywhere, guy. You know, mm. Alice is the same way. Like he'll he'll find a way to like fit in this new environment. And I, I will say, I, 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 like I'll, I'll talk more on my why it's on my list later. But this is the ultimate straitjacket song that doesn't get used as the straitjacket song. Like it's only been performed on the Hey Stupid tour on the overseas part of the tour. Oh, I didn't and, even know it was actually yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in it's in the uh, the, the concert I dropped in the messenger. I'm uh, watching it the, after this then. Yep, yeah, it's really yep. cool. He he doesn't do it in a straight jacket. They throw him in like a crib made of barbed wire, and it's really cool. He's got <laughs> oh, he's man. got toys, and he can push the crib across the stage. It's really cool. <laughs> okay, nice. amazing. Uh, Joe, do you have any thoughts on uh, White of Toy before I do? Yeah, that's one? a great choice. Uh, definitely for all the reasons Elsie listed too. Nailed it. Cool. We're making. We're, mm-hmm. you, better, you better turn this into a playlist on Spotify. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to. This is this is some solid stuff. Um, and keeping it in the Hey Stupid era, I'm gonna go with track three from that album, Snakebite.
song i think it's an incredibly underrated song that should have been released as a single in my opinion this could have been a big hit around that time maybe if even bigger if it'd been a few years earlier and if it'd been on trash but it's a really cool song with a lot of charisma and snarl alice plays this like biker gang character you know my face is tattooed on your shoulder and your name is scratched into my bike that is so cool yeah i i love this song i love the guitar breaks on it it like like everything about this song just like makes me happy. Like it makes the hair on my arm stand up. So you, you, you know, it's a good song. So yeah. Hey, snake bite from Hey Stupid. <laughs> I was just going to solid pick. Every, every time I hear it, I hear a little bit of poison. Interesting. It is in the track yeah. poison, but no, I've said that to other people. They don't hear it. I don't, but I hear the buildup of it. I love the song. I think it's, if I'm going to pick between poison and that song, I'm picking that one, oh, yeah. but there's, there's something in there that, that uh, like, it almost seems like they were going to try to make that, second poison but they didn't release it a single so who knows but i think it would have worked well they were actually going to have an effect for the tour that never materialized where they were going to push alice into a pit of snakes for the song but they, that never uh, they, <laughs> okay. they never fully figured plastic that out, snakes probably probably because like I, I wonder how do you make that work like you push them into a pit and you can't see them anymore <laughs> yeah uh, yeah okay but yeah yeah great song and yeah unfortunately another one that didn't survive the hey stupid tour uh, I'm going to take us on a little side trip because you mentioned Poison. Okay. Uh, the interesting thing about the song, and a lot of people don't know it, but the main riff of that song is actually borrowed from another song by the guitar player on that song and the guy who co-wrote it. His name is John McCurry. Um, he did a song on John Waits' Rover's Return album. I think he was two years. But Trash was 89, so Rover's Return was 1987. He did a song called Encircled. And it's basically that same, but slower on Encircled. And he's just like, that's a really good riff. I'm not going to waste that. No one really heard the John Wade album. <laughs> let's, just, let's, just, let's just recycle it. And, and Desmond Child, I think, was the other co-writer on that. Let's recycle it. And since both these people are working on Trash, let's turn it into something better. And then they basically came up with Poison out of it. Oh, sorry, that's nice. my cat's. So, all right. <laughs> but if you ever get a chance, look it up, John. It's on YouTube. John Wade and Circle. Listen to it, and you'll be like, "Oh my god!" Circle and Circle is the track by John Wade. Got it. Yep. Okay. Put a little clip of that right here.
All right, uh, Joe, what's your next pick? Uh, my next pick is going to be uh, another old school tune. My last one from the original band era, going to the Billion Dollar Babies album and the song Generation Landslide. probably when i was a kid this was my second favorite alice cooper album was was billion dollar babies and that was you know it still is one of my favorite songs on it just i love the lyrics it's where the album gets its name from is in the lyrics of that song um god i just just everything about that track i just like i like the way it builds the way it rides out at the end uh i even don't even mind the remake they did for special forces even though it was uh, (laughs) a kind of like updated uh it's not terrible it's interesting uh, but um, just love that track. <laughs> no one gives an oink about football or prom night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, that song is killer. Uh, I, lo- I love Generation Landslide. That was a favorite of mine growing up. I think my first Alice Cooper CD was the uh, the Mascara and Monsters Best Of, and that was on there. That's yep. how I first heard that song. It's such such a cool tune. I love like like that's on there. Yeah, yeah, it's actually interesting. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's, this, okay. it's this interesting little angular song that like like didn't really fit in with the other songs, but I loved the weirdness of the lyrics, and I still like you said I love that ride out with the harmonica and the guitar. It, it's a it's a trippy little song, and like even Alice himself has said, you know, the lyrics are just kind of stream of conscious. I'm not even sure what they really mean, but you know, there's cool stuff in there. You know, Dad gets his allowance from his sonny the dealer. The dealer, yeah, unique <laughs> to the world, but involved in high finance. Like, <laughs> like again, just so cool. Like he's really good at writing stuff that's like weird and funny and dark. Like it's just a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. I love Alice's. Like he doesn't always get like credit for being a great singer, but he he is, and oh, yeah. his inflections, like the inflections that he'll put on words in that song, where he's like alcohol and razor blades and straight pins and needles. You know, uh, I forget the next line, but he's like they use it. The kids, they, kindergarten they use people. them. They, kindergarten people, they use them. They need them. You know, and the way he says "need them" mm-hmm. in that, or even like the when he's singing the other lyrics too, he just puts little affectations on different parts of what he says, and that just sells the song and just makes all the difference and you know that that where this like personality comes out in those tracks this is why i was glad we didn't reveal these because i had that on my mind too and i figured somebody would take it so i'm scratching <laughs> yeah. off it's a, it's a great pick but but also i just want to say for generation landslide too is that 
I make playlists a lot of times, but a lot of times, but I very rarely will add Alice Cooper songs onto playlists because for me, I don't know, it's, it's, I, if I'm listening to Alice Cooper, I just want to listen to it, the album, because yeah. each one represents something. So it's just one of those artists I don't like to do. But Generation Landslide is one of the ones that I think is like a stone song that I do. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few oh, yeah. that I can throw it in there. And people don't know it too. So when I have people over and stuff, they'll just play in the background. They're like, it's a cool song. What was it? Because it kind of sounds like stone, like a like the rhythm of like a jazz or something like that. Yeah, you know like Sympathy I mean? for the Devil. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So great tune. Yep. And I agree, I agree with you, uh, Joe, because uh, I, I do think Alice is an underrated singer. I think there's certain songs like, you know, He's known for the kind of the sneer and the snarl in his voice. But when you listen to something like, you know, Only Women Bleed, I Never Cry, yeah. uh, My God, uh, Might As Well Be On Mars, which, you know, that's another one that just, you know, it's like usually the ballads, like, you know, he really like it has this like clean, pure t- tone to his voice. It's really cool to hear. So, yeah. I made a, a whole mix CD once of all of his ballads called Old Black Eyes is Blue. Mm. And oh, it was take, taken from like a, like it was inspired by a story he told about um, going to see Frank Sinatra and Sinatra actually covered you and I and came off the stage and said, to, you know, and he's like, wow, thanks so much. And that's how he said he knew he finally made it with his parents when Sinatra is covering one of your songs. And uh, he, he, he said Frank just came over and met him and just said, hey, kid, you keep writing them. I'll keep singing them. You know, yeah, so. that story. Yeah, I love that story. Yeah, that, that's so cool. I wish there was a recording of Frank doing it just because I think that, that'd, yeah, be, that'd like, be awesome. A cool thing to hear. Since we're talking about ballads, just a quick quick one was, and I think this was in Dragon Town, he did a medley of, I call it the, the Woman Trio or whatever, yeah. which was pretty cool, where he did uh, Only Woman Bleed, Take It Like a Woman. What's the other one that he did? Every Woman Has a Name. Every Name. Yeah. It was all those within five minutes. It was, just pretty, it was pretty cool, and that's when he when he when he could really see his uh, respect his voice too, for doing those type of songs. Yeah, yeah, that's so. That, that was a, that was an interesting era. Like that. he loves domestic abuse. There's <laughs> <laughs> a theme in those those songs. <laughs> yeah, like when you really when you really listen to it, like I I sometimes think like, oh yeah, only women believe this beautiful little guitar song, and then I listen to the lyrics, and I'm like. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> like, right. like when you when you when you reach that bri- bridge, you know, black eyes all the time. Don't spend a dime clean mm-hmm. up this grime. Holy shit! Well, it's kind of funny too, because like Elsie was saying, like domestic abuse, like, dead babies off a killer, the same thing. Yep. But it's it's interesting because it's almost like science fiction. Like you can put a lot of political things or other things in science fiction, but because it's a science fiction story it goes down easier for some people mm-hmm. with Alice. It's the same sort of thing. It's like, he's writing about these real life horrors, but because it's almost, he's playing with this character and stuff, you, you can swallow it a little easier than like believing the real thing, hearing stories right. about the real thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, like a song like wicked young man, like when you really boil it down to it, the character in that song is terrifying. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, but you, you put it with the right backdrop, you get like a really cool heavy rock and roll song. So yeah, I agree. And, and blow me a kiss is another one like that. Like I, yeah. I, I absolutely adore that song. Yeah. It's okay. He dies in the third act. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I, that's what, I, that's what I always uh, tell my wife when she kind of looks at me funny with certain Al songs. I'm like, he always pays his penance during the show. He always gets, executed like he'll, he'll get stabbed or hung or so, something he'll pay something. for his crimes like like right I, I do have a funny execution story i just remembered the second time i saw alice when he was uh playing with deep purple uh 
so they did the usual thing you know he st- he stabbed the dancer during only women bleed so they strap him in the guillotine and they've got him up there and the and you know they do the usual thing you know die 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 and they let go let's go with the blade the blade stops about halfway down and alice's head falls through before the blade even like comes all the way down so the executioner goes and pushes the blade the rest of the way down <laughs> damn thing's defective all yeah. right <laughs> i thought that was kind of funny <laughs> yeah it's very cool all right i think uh I think I'll see you. You're next, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. The next one was one I kind of uh, came up with today. And that was, it's a song that on the album that comes from not that big of a fan, but it was one that from the, uh, from hearing it live and also hearing the, I don't have it with me. One second here. This is one name. I always say the wrong. Okay. Yeah, that's right. A paranormal evening. Ah, yes, nice. Album. That. Very good okay. live album. Great live album. And I and I saw him do this the song too on this tour. Was when I was like when he played it, I was like, I didn't even recognize it at first. I was like, this song kills. This almost, almost sounds like Alice doing Motorhead. And that was um World Needs Guts. Constrictor, and and I went even went back but back to today. I went to the original and was like, eh, it's all right. But this new one, just from the the, the I think he had like a triple guitar attack on that tour. Um, yep. It just kills. So so if you do you have that version, otherwise, yeah, okay, that's the one I'm going to okay. use. Oh, yeah. Perfect, perfect, very very cool. Yeah, Good I agree. That, that that's that's a song I love, and I loved really early on. Like the first time I heard Constrictor, like that was uh, that that was that was a standout track for sure. Yeah, I think I think with that album you have to get past the the program drums. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I think that. But but I do admit, like when I hear when he does those songs live, when he does "Man Behind the Mask," "Guts," or uh, "Teenage Frankenstein," which I saw him do as well, uh, they all sound a lot better. So I, I would definitely take take a, like a complete like reworking of those in that heaviness. So yeah, I, I get what you mean, and the lyrics are just fun and, and intense yeah. like they're rearrange your sack turn around yeah. kick it and kick. rearrange your sack there some, you ma- go. some maniac butcher's trying to hack away your balls but, like i mean yeah. when, you're, when you're a kid and you hear that for the first time you're, you're like like you're like that's the shit like that's yeah. awesome all right, that so, was what was great. Oh, I'm sorry, Alex. I, no, go, no, you. You, you, you I was going to say, that's what's great about like the, the most current line of the band. And I think Nita had a lot to do with this too. And like, they would suggest to him, Hey, let's do some of these songs that we haven't, you haven't done in a while stuff from like, you know, raise your fist and yell and constrictor because you actually had guitar players who could play those, you know, shredding eighties riffs and stuff like, let's bring those back. Let's reinvent those. So it was really nice 
to hear some of those deep cuts that you probably thought you were never going to hear again. Yeah, that's a good point. Like the fact that I heard Teenage Frankenstein and Feed My two Frankenstein songs in sure. the same uh, show. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, those songs. It is interesting how he does it with the, the eras because now they're going into to Constrictor and Raise Your Fist a lot more than they have in the past, right? Yeah. And Kane Roberts is back in the band now. Yeah, they that sh- makes sense. That makes sense added, now. They just added Freedom back to the set list a couple nights ago. So like, Nice. That, I've nice. never seen that. I'm I surprised have. I've never seen that. Yeah. I would yeah. love to see that. So cool. Yeah. And another another highlight from that live record is the new version of Pain they do on there with, without the uh, keyboards, adding that extra riff. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So my next pick is, I think it's my, it's one of the two that was locked in. And it's one of the most unique songs in his catalog, I think, because it's almost very un-Alice in a way. But I've always been fascinated with this song for some reason. I've always kind of come kept coming back to it ever since I discovered it. Uh, it was a new track on the 1997 live album Fistful of Alice. Uh, Is Anyone Home? psychedelic pop rock song about this agoraphobe that's afraid to leave their house but i've always loved alice's vocal on it i kind of love the trippy heavy elo production with like the the cello and the stuff like that i think the lyrics are really clever again um it's such a strange song because it doesn't really fit in with anything else he's done it's very it's very different so i've always kind of wondered what inspired it like how how did this strange little track come about like it's just this unique little thing that kind of like stands out to me in, in his catalog, but I really love it. I love it. I love the vocal on this one. So yeah. Is anyone home? That's good. Good song. Yeah. For, for a bonus track, that one's super strong. And yeah. what, as I understand it, if I remember from the box set, they went into it a little bit more is I think that was recorded at the same time as the last temptation. Because it has kind of yeah. the same vibe with the kind of the acoustic layered guitars that a lot of those tracks have. Uh, so I think that was a, a left off. Well, it wouldn't have fit on that. So I understand yeah. why, but it you can kind of hear the production of it. Yeah, you definitely can. I wondered if it was a carryover from that or not. Like, because I wasn't sure, because it really doesn't fit the storyline that that record tells. Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure it was definitely just um, because of like who was involved with it. Cause you had him, I can't remember if they co- that was one they co-wrote or not, but you had uh, like Tommy Shaw and Jack blades co-wrote a lot of the songs off of last right. temptation. And I'm pretty sure they're on it too. They're not, they're not on anyone home, but I, they, they co-wrote it's me and they co-wrote uh, yeah. you're my temptation. That was the other one. 
And if I could just give a little bit of uh, props to Last Temptation. Yes, like, please do. I don't want to go off. Is that is that cool? I don't want to. Yes, go off yes, too do off track. do it. I love that okay. record. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So for Last Temptation, what I thought was very interesting was you know he did three albums on was that Epic? Yes. Yeah. Okay, because he had like a contract for three albums, so he did the two eighties, and then Last Temptation was a pretty big departure. It was you know he was using yeah, obviously he had Chris Cornell on there. They tried to throw a little bit on there, but really it was kind of more the classic ish sound for for Alice than than the definitely those two albums. But even with that said, this is the part that how did he pull this off? How he didn't he didn't have that much power. I mean, yeah, he had some some poison power coming coming back, but the fact that he had that comic book. Who the hell is a rock star had a comic book that came with the album? My, I mean, mine did CD and the comic book and had two yep. more. I mean, I found that to be just the fact that that even was possible with, with, you know, he wasn't on top of the world at that point. Yeah, that is fascinating. I've always wanted, like, I've always wanted to see those. I've never seen the comic books. Uh, uh, my copy obviously didn't it came with it. If, if I'm yeah. right, Joe, uh, right. Was the first special edition issue? version that did. Yep. That's the one yeah. I got. Yeah, okay. my, mine is. Uh, I have this like. Uh, it's called a triple feature. Like, th like this was like a thing that like record labels were putting out a couple years ago. And it's got three albums. It's got a disc that's trash. It's got a disc that's Hey Stupid. And it's got a disc that's Last Temptation. Right. So there's there's no comic book with that one. But I would love to. I'm always on the lookout for for like, an a sealed copy that'll have that. Like I, I would love to. They're hard to come by. Yeah. Did yeah. you get all three? The comics, yeah, I, I got them. I didn't buy that box set when it came out. I just got the CD regularly. Um, but I bought the individual comics when they came out. Yeah. So, I mean, again, there's very few artists that, that do that. And the fact that he kind of had that as part of the package, I, I found that to be incredible at the time. And also, the uh, he, he had Chris Cornell. On that album right. With him. Yeah, the pull there. Uh, was there anybody else on that? Or was he the big, the big star? I thought there was another he, he one. He was on the there big. Too he was, was the of... big. He's the big name that sticks out to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and he kind of, went back. Yeah. There were there were he less to... there were less guests this time around, but Chris. Right. Chris co-wrote, and he was the uh, the voice of the devil on Soul and Prayer. Yep. Yep. Really cool, by the way. By the way, like I'm not I'm not the biggest the world's biggest Soundgarden fan, but. I love Chris Cornell's vocal performance on Stolen Prayer. It's so mm -hmm. soulful and big. Like it, it doesn't sound like the same guy that sang Black Hole Sun. I love it. I take your words and try them all. You tell me once I song.
what I like about that album too, uh, just on a little teeny side note, was uh, there's a couple of tracks on that album written by a guy named Dan Wexler, who yep. was the guitarist for a band called Icon back in the 80s. Oh, yeah. And uh, he Arizona band, so, you know, they're Phoenix era. So there's a, a connection to Alice there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a great comeback. I think the Wayne's World, the pairing Wayne's World, bought him a lot of cred back, and that helped. That's true. As far as Elsie's point, that yep. kind of yep. gave him that little extra push there, too. Plus, with grunge coming in, a lot of people were listening to him as an influence. So that kind of bought him some cred as well. And then he vanished for the rest of the decade, <laughs> man. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Like, he, like there was no official Last Temptation tour. He did that little run uh, in South America, which there's footage of on YouTube if you want to see. It's, it's a very stripped-back show he was doing at, at that time. There, there was no execution. Uh, they just tormented him in the electric chair for a little bit. Uh, and it was a very bare-bones stage. But you can see him, you know, he plays a few Last Temptation songs. Like, he plays It's Me and Sideshow and a few others. So yeah, it, he, he kind of entered the wilderness after after that for a while. He was doing tours and like like you said, like there was no new music till Brutal Planet. Like he he, he kind of like first he did that schools that schools out for summer tour that kind of got two legs, and then he kind of expanded in, into the rock and roll carnival, which lasted a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. Always on the move. All right, Joe, what's your next pick? Uh, this was a tough one, like because this is where we start getting to the point where I only got two picks left, and I'm like, oh, like you going back and forth on two different songs. I almost want to cheat here and list both of them, but <laughs> I'm gonna have to pick one. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do honorable mentions a little bit, so hang okay, on. cool, we'll do that. So I'll, I'll save the honorable mention one, but um, ultimately, I went with the song you just mentioned a few moments ago, which was "Pain" off the Flush the Fashion album. Again, another tune I just I love. I love the lyrics to it, you know, the metaphor of it. Uh, <laughs> I stole it from Elsie again. Sorry. <laughs> but like, I remember, like, I love that album when it came out because it was new. Like, there were so many artists at that time, in the turn of the decade, but going from the 70s to the 80s, where those 70s artists were like, how am I going to reinvent myself in this new world? And it was the beginning of the blackout phase for Alice. So this record still, at least he was a bit more in control a little bit, I guess we would say um, <laughs> at least probably during the recording of the album afterwards, not so much. Uh, but 
you know, it was it was interesting. Hey, we're gonna go sort of a new wave sound. Let's who's hot right now? Who's these new bands coming out? Oh, the Cars. Let's get the guy who produced that album. Even though, of course, Roy Thomas Baker also produced Queen as well. So they get Roy Thomas Baker to produce. You know, there's more keyboards added. There's a little bit of a new wave flash to it. But Pain sounded like a classic Alice Cooper song, going back to you know like the, the darkness of the lyrics and. It's interesting, too, because there's an alternate version of that from the Roadies soundtrack, which is essentially um, Utopia. Todd Runs Utopia yeah. is the backing band with, I think, Davy Johnstone uh, on lead guitar. Because if you've ever seen the movie Roadies, they're, they're like his backing band. And it was basically Meatloaf's backing band, and Meatloaf is the star of Roadies. So hmm. that's how that kind of happened. But that version is on the Roadies soundtrack. It's also on the Life of Crimes box set, too. I don't like it as much, uh, but the original pain is fantastic. Yep. You took it from me again. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right, man. You got good taste. Very, very uh, cool. But the, uh, you know, what is it when you step on a rake? The bump on the, on the, the bump on your the, head, head. You step on a rake. Step on the rake. Yeah. It's hitting all these things kind of serious, and then it throws a little, it spins that. That's brilliant lyrics. Yeah. I 100% agree. Love that song. Yeah, you both nailed it. And I got, I got to say, like, Rhodey's on my to-watch list. I can't believe I've never seen that movie because it's got two – it's got literally – it's literally <laughs> two of my favorite artists of all time in it, Alice Cooper and Meatloaf. And Meatloaf, They're two of my all-time favorites right there, and I would love to uh, – I, I need you to just sit down and watch that movie one night because I'll, prob I'll probably, like, love it, even though, it, like, it sounds terrible from, like, some of the – plot lines i've read it, it's probably really entertaining i mean yeah it's cheeseball movie but it has its moments the music performances are great and to see alice in it is great too yeah. he's hilarious um so my next pick is going to be from 1978 from the inside track two wish i were born in beverly hills Song. This is absolutely one of my favorite Cooper tunes. I think it's so yeah. funny. It makes me laugh every time I hear it. And it just, it's just a, such a good rocker. It's about this burnout girl in Hollywood who has a mental break. It's really catchy. I love the guitars and I love the kind of like drum breakdown at the end. And I love, you know, she bit like a dog and she screamed like hell. You ain't taking me to no padded cell. I love that. It's just ah, so, so great. Yes, yeah, always so love fun. that too. It's such a fun song. I swear I couldn't drink half as much as she spills. Uh, he, he brings this one back from time to time. It was on the Dirty yeah. Diamonds tour. Yep, yep. I was going to say that it was great to hear that come back on Dirty Diamonds. It was like, yes, 
bring these tunes back so good oh uh, yeah definitely one of my favorites off that album as well that was almost that was in consideration as well as another song from that album for quite a while but ultimately yeah we'll pick kill, something else <laughs> we'll, we'll kill a little time while we while we wait for lc to get back from the inside that's got to be one of his most uh i think that's one of his most beloved underrated albums like i think like if yep. you're an alice cooper fan excuse me and you know like you know what a good record that is so yeah that's a I love that one. Like it, that was that was one that it was like my goal. Like when I got into, it, I'm like I have to get a copy of this. And when I moved to Hollywood, California, I go to Meal Records. I finally got a copy of that album. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, I have two versions. I have the original version that I bought when it came out with, and it's cool because the vinyl has like the fold out cover, like the yeah. doors open to the asylum, and you see Alice in the quiet room, and then the back doors open and stuff. And then they did the recent reissues too, which I also have another copy of that. There we go. Boom. Perfect. And where'd you pick that album? That album did have a comic book with it. It didn't come with the comic, but there was a comic book produced at the time, which I have to. Wish I Marvel. were born in. Wish I were born in Beverly Hills. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was the. Cut this out if I'm repeating anything you said, but there was a. T- I find it interesting that that over like ten years, like every tour, he started adding a song from this, this this uh, lost era kind of uh, album like they played the title track when it was oh, born in beverly hills they played nurse rosetta and sirius yeah those are the four songs that i heard over like a 10-year span wow like live i never thought about that but you're absolutely right they totally did that mm-hmm. nice and, yeah. and and this is one of the albums that i i really wish was i i love it for, for what it is but i risk ri- i wish it could be re-recorded like a yeah a, you know what I mean? The, the mix is so it doesn't fit the the theme of the. It's got that David Foster gleam. It's on David it. Foster gloss. You got like the Toto guys playing on half the tracks, and yeah. right, you know, right. so it's very shiny. As, as Alice calls it, this classiest sounding album. Sure. Yep. yep. And uh, you can really tell Bernie Toppin's there, like Jackknife Johnny. To me, yep. like you, I can hear Elton singing that song in my head if I imagine it. I can totally hear hear that. Yep. So, yeah, that, that that's a cool record. And have you guys seen the uh the footage from that tour, the Mad Hat like the uh Alice yeah. La- Madhouse Rocks live thing? Yeah. Oh my god. He looks like death. He does. He's so right? skinny, yeah. So yeah. thin, like you could just tell he's he's going down. Like it is bizarre. I, I've never made it through a one a full concert actually. Um because okay. I've just seen it on YouTube. I haven't seen like the whatever releases they were out. Okay. So, so that came out on DVD when I was in high school and I remember being huh. super, super hyped for it. Like I, I, I planned like a trip, like, so where I lived, just to give you an idea, uh, I grew up in a town with a population of like 300 or less people. And the nearest like store that would sell like CDs, DVDs or anything like that was like a 90 minute drive away. I planned a day on my weekend just to drive up and get that DVD. So I could, I could watch it when it came out. So that 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 thing was a mainstay in my DVD player when I was growing up. Cool. Yeah, they um back in the sort of pre MTV days, there used to be um, USA Network had a show called Night Flight that you would air on like Friday nights, and they would show like concert films and things like that. So they would show that performance, and like the tubes were on that bill too, that same show. So you would see like the whole artist roster that was on there but that was like the first time i had ever seen that was live on usa network's night flight cool yeah one, one more weird thing about that tour at the start of it 
um, they were playing the whole From the Inside album. Uh, every track they played, every track. Of the really? Tour. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. By, by, by midpoint, they dropped Jackknife Johnny, Millie and Billy, and uh, for Veronica's sake. But they kept everything else. So, yeah, just cool little weird fact I know about that one. Uh, Luce, what's your uh, number two? You can disqualify this if you want. I think it's still works though because it's it's not I, I would say for alice cooper fans it's not a deep track but the um but it definitely wasn't a hit and I, I gotta give respect to it because it's it's what pulled me back in to him um after a long drought of him not putting albums out and, and that is that i have always thought that brutal planet is just a masterful song from the lyrics to uh, I don't like all the new metal leanings on the album. I don't think it, it works on for him overall completely, but this one just kills. Uh, it's one of the tracks that that only recently do I think that they could pull it off completely live because of the fact that they have uh, when they have a female singer in the band where you get those on the choruses, um, the background lyrics. But that's it. That's my pick, Brutal Planet. We're only human. We were born to Without the benefit of reason why We live for pleasure to be satisfied And now it's over, there's no place to hide Why don't you come down to It's such a brutal planet It's such an ugly world Why won't you come down to great song yep great dark like heavy alice cooper i'll never forget the first time i heard that and because i i thought i'd found the heaviest alice i could find with uh razor fist and yell and then when i got the brutal planet album i was like well, we're taking things to another level here like this yeah that that song is great it's slow it's dirgy it builds and you know you know Here's where we starve the hungry. Here's where we cheat the poor. Here's where we beat the children. Here's where we pay the whore. Like he's just he just pulls right. you in. He pulls yeah. you in, and there is no there's no relief on that album. There's there's maybe a little bit bit of like you know like haha it, it's the little things, but brutal planet right. that album that is just Alice holding your feet to the fire for like fifty minutes. Yeah, that concert video from that tour is one of my favorites too. Mm-hmm. If you've so ever good. seen that, oh, I have. So that's 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 one of the first ones I got, and 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 I remember just, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, um, I mean, that's pretty much a mainstay in his live act. Does, does that count, or is that not deep enough? No, that that. No, I'd say that counts. My, my my rule was not a top forty single, so perfect. Cool. Yeah, and Brutal Planet at the time was his lowest selling album, so <laughs> even yeah. more so. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, one last thing on that era. Do you guys know how the original Brutal Planet show ended before he changed it? Trying to remember, but no, I, I can't remember. 
Is it so, in the div? Is it in the DVD, or is it, it or is it changed? It got changed before he filmed the DVD. So what he used to do is, at the end of the show, Alice would be taken off stage again, and the controller would come back. But this time, the controller was Alice, and it would do a little speech, and then the controller would go away, and then they'd bring Alice out in the straitjacket, and he'd sing "Ballad of Dwight Fry." And when it got to the "I Got to Get Out of Here" part, he tried to escape, and he couldn't, and he was just dragged off stage, and that was the end of the show. Okay. Because the idea. Oh, they just ended. Oh, it just ended that way. The whole yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Like, because okay. like his his reasoning was once you're in hell, you don't get out of hell. But I think maybe that it, it when you think about it, and I've seen footage of it, it is kind of a downer way to end the set. Sure. Yeah. Like, like it, it's it's a weird way to end the show. So eventually, before like he filmed the DVD, he moved it back into the middle of the set, and then changed the ending of the show to where like. He's dragged off, and then like the the doppelganger Alice is there at the top of the stage with the head. Yeah, he probably yeah. should have added an encore of the quiet room to bring the people back up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that that that's a heavy ending. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That that's the kind of minutia I dig into. I'll never forget when I finally found some footage of that. How happy I was on YouTube. I was like, someone actually got fil- footage of this. Holy shit! So. Yeah, before before we do our final three, I wanted to do uh, honorable mentions. So, uh, uh, Joe, do you have any honorable mentions before we? I do. Um, my first one is going to come from the the album you were just talking about, from the inside, uh, and the track "Serious." Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a song like Elsie said, you got made it back in the set list at one point. I just always dug that tune. You got uh, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick and Steve Lukather on guitars. Mm-hmm. Just love that mm-hmm. that guitar riff okay. that's playing in there uh it's just a great tune the storyline about it it's it's really he's talking about a gambler but he's also talking about himself where like you know every night i'd like pass out on the floor again and again and again and again and again Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so that was a little bit of some uh, semi-autobiographical life there but i just i just dig that that song always have that's my my first runner-up i'll let you say one of yours all right, so I, I have a few, so I'll just quick run through them. Uh, Wish You Were Here from Goes to Hell. I love that yeah, song. Good yeah. R- really funny. Um, uh, I like Wake Me Gently from that album as well. Beautiful ballad. Uh, you Drive Me Nervous. What a great rocker from Killer. Incredibly underrated. And then Gotta Give Some Love to Muscle of Love, Big Apple Dreaming. I think that's a really cool song. Yep. Uh, Cleanse by Fire from uh, Last Temptation. What a great way to end that record uh and also sideshow like that that album is sandwiched perfectly um yeah uh let's see what else did i have i had uh novocaine from isa alice cooper like i think that's a really well written song that could be done by anyone it's just so it's such a cool tune um and then scarlet and sheba from dada great t- great tune yeah. kind of really trippy thing going on with that one life and death of the party from constrictor and my last one i'm gonna go with six hours from dirty diamonds that really floaty free ballad yeah just um i also had uh lost my brain right here for a second (laughs) um i also had uh from um muscle of love sorry uh big apple dream was on my list as well as working up a sweat Nice. I always like that tune, like, like a little bit of nice little harmonica in there, kind of stones you riff to it. Um, God, there were just so many of them. I, I couldn't even like, ah, oh, it's hard to whittle this down too, but also from um, Sideshow, also from The Last Temptation was another one that I almost picked. Um, but uh, what about LC? What is his... Uh... 
Well, you took all my songs. You took all my. <laughs> you took all my runner up. This may, I'm gonna make it nice and easy for you guys. I got nothing. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, can I? Can we? Can we do some negativity real quick? Sure. Yeah. yeah like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> What's your least favorite? Do my. Again, I don't want to interrupt your your. That's no, with their flow. Cut this, this, this is, out. Just go ahead. This, this is fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. What's your least favorite album? What's the album that that you actually maybe don't even have in your collection anymore because you've given it all all your as many chances as you want, and maybe you still have it because you're a collector kind of guy, but you know you're not going to listen to it ever again. Not one song do you like. <laughs> okay. All the Alice Cooper CDs right there. Well, well there's, some, <laughs> there's something on every one for me, uh, except for the first yeah. two. Um, Live albums don't count, right? No, just just studio albums. There's okay. only one. There's only one for me that has a zero. That's a zero. Well, I think my least favorite song is "You're My Temptation," and so, sorry, sorry, Tommy and Jack, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I like "Horny Alice." I like "Spark in the Dark Alice." I like "Bed of Nails Alice." Yeah, not not like oh the te- the temptress is seducing me. Please help! Oh no. Like I mean, that, I'm talking about just albums. Worst album. Yeah, yeah, it's the first okay. worst worst album. Uh, sorry, but along came a spider, and I, I got that as a new release, and I loved it at the time, but I almost never listen to it now. Okay. That's where I was going. Is is along came a spider? Is has some of the greatest artwork and hype videos and everything at the time. It's a zero. I I can't get into anything on it. Not even the slash song. That's that's just me. Wow. I, I, it's a zero. It's a zero for me. Top to bottom. It's the only one. <laughs> I still like it. Um, what's interesting is that there were two bonus tracks that they recorded for that album. Originally, they weren't on it. They eventually ended up re-releasing the album and putting them on there. I think originally you could only get them as like maybe iTunes bonus tracks or something. Uh, there's a song called "I'll Still Be There" and another one called "Shadow of Yourself." And I remember when the album came out, I added those songs back into where I thought they should be in the mix, and it made it a much better album. But they eventually, what year was this? Uh, 2010, a year or two later, they reissued it and put those tracks on there. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's definitely, especially for the more modern era, it's one of his weaker records. I can, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I kind of forgot that was their album for a second until you really you said least favorite album, and I was like, "Is there one I really don't go back to?" And that was what came to me. Yeah, and I, I used to love it. I used to play that thing all the time because that that came out the day I went to see him live. I remember, like, it was a new release that day. So, yeah, that, that I just there's still songs I like on it. I, I like "Killed by Love." I think is is all right, and "Vengeance is yeah. Not as Good," but it's pretty like lock, stock, and barrel generic Alice Cooper. When you get down yeah. to it. Um, I think the skit at the end is kind of funny, much like the skit at the end of Mind of Toy. You know, you know, we've been in the cell for eight years, Stephen. We couldn't do all those horrible things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to me, like when two of the best songs of the album are songs that didn't even end up on the original version of the album, you know, it's like, come on. It's be bad. Um and also you, you'll... sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say probably Janie Lane's last contribution to recorded music is on that album. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's interesting too. That's kind of like um, at that point, I think that's when he went to, back to Ezrin, pretty much. Yeah, the last yeah. decade. Well, he went he went back to Ezrin and he was like, "I want to do a sequel to Along Came a Spider." It's called the Night No, and and he said Ezrin wasn't interested, and that's why they ended up doing Welcome to My Nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
Alex, you might hate me for this. I, I, I'm not going to say it's my least favorite album, but I'm going to say it's one of the ones I listen to the least, and it's Brutal Planet. Um, not Brutal Planet. I mean, Dragon Town. Because Ooh. to me, it just feels like it feels like Brutal Planet leftovers. Mm-hmm. A lot of that record. I mean, I still like the album. There's definitely strong songs I like on it, but to me, it just feels like Brutal Planet leftovers because it feels like it seemed like it was kind of rushed out quick. And I mean, it's a completely different producer and everything, but that's just the way that record has always kind of come off to me. I'm not sure I'd love it as much as I do if I didn't like have it when I had it. Like I like that, that, that one, like I put it on and it's, it's a nostalgia trip for me, but it, it makes me yeah. think, of, think of my first car and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like deeper is not that good. And somewhere in the jungle is kind of a, weird track but I, I do like sister sarah i've always thought that was a really, yeah i was gonna say sister really is pretty cool good dark song and then I, lo- I love every woman has a name that's a pretty ballad and even it's isn't much there, too late isn't there a song that references oprah yeah fantasy man i hate, <laughs> oprah. I hate oprah. okay there you go yeah. Uh, yeah i never liked that song either like, yeah i, 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 I understand like, and he played like, it live when i saw him too it was like oh we're playing fantasy man all right let's <laughs> <laughs> The Oprah references, but uh, yeah, that's it's kind of like a reload. But you know, just just curious. No, that was fun. That was, was. that was that was a good thought. Like I, I'm I'm very much like I avoid the the negative. So th- so thank you for injecting that. That was actually a really good good thing. And to balance it out. Come on, yeah. you gotta have some yeah. critical thought. Yeah, yeah, like I yeah all the positivity. <laughs> yeah, no, that and that might be why I waited so long to do Alice because I knew it was just gonna be a love fest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so we've we've reached the final the final three. Uh, Joe, what's your uh, number one? Well, you mentioned this is one of your runner-ups, but it's uh, Novocaine. When I was ten, fell out of bed, got three stitches in my head. It hurt like hell. Oh. I saw the blood. The pain, I'd like to feel it once again. Cause I don't feel it. Then I got stung right on the face. I screamed and ran around the place. It hurt like hell. I swore right up, I burned for days. I'd like to feel it once again. Touch me when you hold me, when you kiss me. I don't feel anything when you touch me, when you hold me, when you kiss me. It's just like Novocaine. From the eyes of Alice Cooper, I I love that song, especially for more modern Great Stonesy vibe to it. Super catchy riff, the melody that just sticks in my head uh just always love that i love eyes of alice cooper and dirty diamonds i that kind of going back to the early days garage era sound you know the old detroit sound the era sound love those records and that album i love that record you got eric dover formerly of jellyfish and slash the snake bit now of the licorice quartet uh he's on that record uh it it was he was a pretty interesting writer probably it was amazing he didn't stay in the band longer it would have been cool to see uh, what else he would have come up with, but then they got Damon Johnson in for Dirty Diamonds. So, nice, great choice. I love that tune. Yeah, like that. That was this close to edging out 
Beverly Hills on my list, but last minute that that one that one kicked it out. So yeah, I, I love that song too. It's it's just a perfect pop rock song to me. Like it's really catchy and that you know that hook. It's just perfect. Love it. I love ruining songs for other people. So, uh, so, I'm, uh, so I'm going to tell you something right now that, that I, by the way, I like Novocaine. I, I do enjoy Novocaine very much. Listen to that. Listen to that. And then listen to if it makes you happy by Sheryl Crow. After oh, yeah. I mean, I love, yeah. there's, there's something that it always reminds me. It always reminds, it always reminds me of it. And, uh, I love the song, but, uh, yeah. there's something about that, that always, uh, uh, I hear yeah, that. It's same. definitely that same the vibe. Th- th- there's that same Stonesy vibe in both of them. And yeah. the and the, the rhythm is very similar. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Interesting interesting, yeah. Good catch. <laughs> I just like throwing this out there. Because if somebody's never heard that before, they're like, God damn it. Now I hear that all the time. Like I never heard <laughs> here's what I never heard before was um off of Last Temptation. What was the the one hit? The uh, oh, Lost in America. Lost in America. Somebody said, Oh, yeah. That's the same as "Fight for Your Right for to Party" by the Beastie Boys. I'm like, a, I'm like, fuck! A, and I never, is. I never, I never heard it. It's the same exact setup for your, every part. Yeah. And I was like, it's a simple song, yeah. but uh, right. I hated, I hated it once I heard that information. So, <laughs> damn it, I didn't piss Joe off. Um, that's all right. That's funny. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with uh, just to go for random. Uh, this is a the. Wait, I'm sorry. Is it my turn or is it yours? It's your turn. Uh, it's your turn. Yes. Okay. Um, so growing up late 80s, early 90s, a lot of the songs, uh, a lot of music I heard as samples before I actually heard the original. Like I just mentioned uh, Beastie Boys. So I heard a lot of Zeppelin riffs from Beastie Boys before I actually heard the Zeppelin song it came from, like uh, the, the drums from When the Levee Breaks. So Alice Cooper has a song that was sampled by the Beastie Boys also that I heard over and over again. I was like, and then when I heard this song for the first time, I was like, holy shit, why do I know this riff? And that's, it's hot tonight. Yep. Was off mm-hmm. off of Paul's boutique. The good choice. And I was like, I was like, oh, it was driving me insane with the first time I heard that. Uh, but that's just a just a killer track off of uh, yeah. you know, off of uh, Lace and Whiskey, right? Yep. yep. Okay, yep. So, yep. So, and that it's the the rocker of the album. 
um, by far. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he plays it here and here and there mm-hmm. in the set. Um, yeah. But that's my, that's my pick. I was happy to hear that when it came back into the set list again, too. Mm-hmm. Very good one, Elsie. Uh, that was a song. Uh, he opened with that the first time I saw him. And wow. Yeah. 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 I, I had no idea what it was at the time. I was just like, it's this, it's hot tonight song. I remember asking my dad, do you know this? He's like, no, I don't. And it wasn't until the first time I went to Amoeba Records uh, in Hollywood, I came out to visit the college I was going to. I went to Amoeba Records and I found Lace and Whiskey and I looked at the track list and like, oh, that's where that song's from. And like, I, I like, I had to have that album because mm-hmm. the song was so cool. Yeah. That was, I can't believe I didn't think of that one for this list. Great, great pick. Yeah. I love the riff. I love the groove and it's a great opening number. I remember that first time I saw him, he was doing this cool thing at the time where there was a curtain up at the start of the show that had his name on it. And then they started playing the song and you saw what you thought was the silhouette of Alice. And then a second Alice appeared and there's like, you see a little like scuffle of the silhouettes ensue and then you hear a scream and the curtain drops and there's Alice choking out another Alice. And he like throws, he throws the fake Alice down on the stage and like steps over the body and starts singing. Like that was just like the coolest opening to a show ever. I thought. Nice. Yeah, that was, it was, it was actually Calico and Alice Cooper makeup, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mine has already been been spoken about a bit, but I wanted to wait and do my big bit on it till the end here. And it was the only one when I decided to do this, I knew this was the song that was going to be my number one. And it was going to be one I had to talk about. And that's Wind Up Toy from Hey Stupid. To me, this is one of the quintessential Cooper songs that enough people don't know about. Uh, The character of Stephen returns, he's revived. And I like it because it's very unclear about how old Steven is, what's happened to him at this point. Is this post welcome to my nightmare after he's killed his wife? Is he a child? Because there's a child voice in there too. You know, is this, is this post uh, welcome to my nightmare in a way, you know, like, you know, all these questions you, you could ask about the character at this point, but they, they revive him at the end of the album and in this really creepy cinematic song with toy pianos and music boxes and this really dreamy soundscape. And you've got that child voice overlaid with Alice's at certain points. So it's really like as an extra layer of creepy. And then I love the build. It's just perfect. Guitar solos, the outro makes the hair on my arms stand up every time, you know, and, and, and they come here every night, you know, you know, it just, that's oh, such a cool song. I love it. And that's why it's my number one. It needs to, I would like to see this come back and be the straight jacket song because yeah, it only got it only got played on that Hey Stupid tour overseas, but I think it like this would be a great like if you don't want to do Dwight Fry, put him in the straight jacket for this one. It would be really cool. So. I'll allow it because it's your show, but I already picked that one. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't not I couldn't not pick that one. <laughs> I, I had to. I love that song so much. Very cool. Uh, no, I understand. That is a number one pick. And yeah. and, and you know, but but also one that they'll just say for for honorable that I should have said was, it, it, I mean, it's an obvious one too, but I've seen him not play Ballad of Dwight Fry like once or twice. And I'm always angry that I don't hear that if, if I don't, if that's not in the set. So there always has to be a crazy song, be it Wind Up Toy, like you just said, or yeah. Ballad of Dwight Fry. There has to be one of those in the set. Yeah, it was interesting to see him replace that with Steven this last time, but I thought that was yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the second time I saw him, there was no, there was no straight jacket at all. It was just straight from, uh, 
stabbing stabbing the dancer to the execution. So that was even weirder. But yeah, agreed. Yeah, there there has to be some kind of uh, reciprocity for the evil. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Very cool, uh, guys. This has just been an absolute blast. I got one more question before we wrap it all up. So. Uh, when we look back on rock and roll, I, I kind of like to do questions like this. When we look back on the history of rock and roll, you know, Alice is still out there doing it as well as he's ever done. I think like, you know, compared to some of his peers, he's at a very high level of performance still. So I guess my question question is, do, you, do we see Alice Cooper as kind of like going down as the defining, you know, like the, the head of theatrical rock, you know, things like, you know, like came after like Kiss and Wasp and Manson. Like, do, 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 do we see him as kind of like, you know, like the, the standard for shock rock, you could say? I'd say yes, <laughs> definitely. I mean, there are so many things that other people do now that Alice did first, you know, and whoever it may be, you know, like Kiss, like there wouldn't be a Kiss without Alice Cooper. Like, oh, you like Alice Cooper? We're going to give you four of them, you know? So mm -hmm. it... No, I agree. I mean, I, I, I don't see how you can't list him. Um, and it, it, it's, it, it's interesting because I think that what you, what you just said, yes, he'll be known as the like godfather or of, of theatrical rock. The only thing that hurts him is the fact that, that because of that, a lot of times people don't see all the great songwriting that's come along and and because it's not like it like i love kiss but this is as far as like artistic output this you know what i'm saying this yeah. is yeah. this is on a diff different level right. um yeah. of, of artistry and sometimes it's because of the theatrics that people just ah, it's just a gimmick it's a gimmick he's yeah. just doing that thing you know what yeah. i mean this is just kind of uh what a vaudeville or whatever they the, right, the term yeah. is. Yeah, like the show is great, but listen to the actual music too. Look, right. look at the lyrics. I mean, he's he's. I think he's very underrated as a, as a lyricist, very underrated as vocalist. Mm -hmm. You know, and so the quick great. answer is just yes, he will be. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I mean, like was it Blackie Lawless always tells that story about how. Um, he was watching an Alice Cooper clip and his father's like, oh, what is this sick stuff? And he's like, oh, you think he's bad? When are they going to look at, you know, look at me? <laughs> you know? like, like, yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Guys, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you guys so much both for doing this. I've, I've had a lot of fun. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, now, now's the time where we, we got we, to plug the shows. So, uh, Joe, tell us about Sit and Spin. What's going on there? Uh, right now, still on hiatus. In fact, actually, the last one of the last shows I did was uh, Detroit Stories, uh, uh, was a review of that record. But um, it's it's something that I, I got to try to get back into doing more shows and stuff. But like uh, having a kid, a young kid, is uh, very time consuming. So it just doesn't leave me a lot of time to do the show, unfortunately. But you can still see all my shows. They're all out there on YouTube. Uh, you can find my pages on Facebook. Sit and spin with Joe. And occasionally, every now and then, I'll drop a new episode out of the blue. So, yes, cool. And Elsie, uh, tell us about Covers and Fire. Uh, Covers and Fire. It's a comedy and rock podcast, uh, depending on your level of uh, what what you define as humor. Um, but but we make fun of what we love, and what we love is rock and roll, from everything from you know the classic artists you grew up with to up and comers. Um, we put out a show every Tuesday. 
every two i'm sorry every two tuesdays every two weeks we push we drop our show on what we consider new music tuesday if you remember that thing existing um yeah. and uh and then baco my co-host uh he also has a every thursday he has a a, a football show called slobber knockers so there's all his new content once a week from either him or both of us together nice so. awesome and now I've had you both on my show, which is great. Right. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. This has been an absolute blast. This is the perfect episode for the Halloween season. Um, Till next time, I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll.
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.